Now, um, I want to come back uh, to Adrian Weckler to a conversation that I had with you after the programme was over uh, the last time you were in because it was all fair and uh, we thought it's pretty fascinating stuff for on air and a lot uh, has changed. You were on a business trip to China and you learned a lot about tech stuff there, I but did. also control. I think I learned a, quite a lot about tech stuff and control. I think they probably learned a lot about me as well, because the first thing that you do when you go across the border from Hong Kong, there's a direct flight from Dublin to Hong Kong. You go across the border, you've no Google, no Facebook, no WhatsApp. No, gone, no, gone, They're all gone. gone. There's the great firewall of China. So we often complain about how you know corrosive these services are. It's only when you actually can't get access to any of them that you're, you're, you're back to sort of uh, to old-fashioned calls and texts, that you realise how much you depend on, depend on them, particularly things like WhatsApp. So what you do instead, or what the, the only alternative, unless you want to pay about, you know, 20 euro uh, for Perfect. a megabyte of data, is you download their equivalent. So WeChat would be their equivalent for WhatsApp, for example. Baidu would be their equivalent to uh, Google, for example, Google Maps. And... Uh, did you know all this before you went? I did. I yeah. did know that. And I got a local SIM card and I I had to, to, to actually stay uh, in, in communication. But the the overwhelming impression I got from visiting this city, it's called Shenzhen. It's just across the border from Hong Kong. It's one of the two or three tech metropolises of China. It's the headquarter city for Huawei, which was the reason I was there. I was yeah. there to, I was essentially there to try and, chase down some of their senior executives and ask some of the big questions like, are you spying on us? And uh, Are are, they? Are we? Um, Well, they said they're not, you know. Yeah, Um, but uh, the Americans were doing it. Yeah. I've interviewed, I, I did manage to interview some of their senior executives. I've also interviewed people from the National Security Council in the US on this uh, same subject. The the impression I have at the moment is that there is the bones of a case there, but it hasn't yet been uh, proven. That's that an awful lot of it is tied up in a trade war between China and the US and Huawei is one of the most successful companies. And when you go to the city Shenzhen, you realise what it is the Americans are actually afraid of. Shenzhen has a connection with Ireland. It's actually based on Shannon. So 40 years ago, it was nothing. It was a tiny fishing port. A a delegation from the Communist Party came over to see how Europe's first uh, free trade zone worked, Shannon. They went back and built a city which they now has... They spied on Shannon. Well, no, no, no. There are pictures. <laughs> I guess. There are actually photos of the Chinese delegation there and the locals from Shannon. There's about a two-foot gap between them. And and the, the Chinese delegation went back, built Shenzhen, now has 20 million people in it. it, it sprawling m- metropolis. The main street's about 30 miles long, has about 100 skyscrapers over 60, 70 storeys. I mean, if Johnny Ronan was looking for, you know, his his, <coughs> you know, his dream, that's where he would go. So it's, it's an absolutely incredible city and <laughs> you don't feel like you're in anything like a communist uh, uh, metropolis. Uh, some people have this idea of China and Chinese cities as being like North Korea the absolute opposite. You walk down and it's, it's all retail. It's all uh, capitalism. And um, when you when you get into a taxi, um, it's very difficult to pay with cash. You pay with your phone. So, so they've, they've, they've transferred completely over 
to digital payments. Now, there is a bit of a dark side to all of this as well. Facial recognition and mm -hmm. cameras is absolutely everywhere. How does that work? A couple of different ways. So in some of the airports around China, they're rolling out that when you want to go to find out what gate your flight is at, for example, instead of going to a board and trying to find your flight number, you can look at a, uh, an interactive screen. It will recognise you and tell you there and then, oh, hi, Adrian, your flight is, uh, is at this gate in, in, in two hours' time. Now, that's, that that's, is so that's scary. early implementation of that technology. But more widely in the cities and the urban areas, Facial recognition and cameras are absolutely universal. It has a kind of a dystopian effect in that there's almost nobody uses the bus lane, right, in a car. There's zero crime when it comes to that kind of thing because you absolutely will be caught. But on the other hand, um, there's, you know, you're tracked almost everywhere you go. And we, we've seen a flavour of that in the Hong Kong riots where protesters are using masks. They're also using different types of pattern cl uh, of clothing to throw off facial recognition and, and other uh, identifying technology that the cameras use. And, and you get points for citizenship. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing. There's, uh, it's been a little bit overplayed in the West, but they do have the, the, the kernel of what they call a social credit score. And that is essentially, they don't really have much of a credit system, like a credit card system in China, like we have here. So they're mixing that with uh, their facial recognition, with their tracking of what you do and, and what you don't do. And there is this uh, uh, emerging system where you are given a citizen score as to whether you're a good citizen or a bad citizen. So if you, And who decides? An algorithm? Uh, I'm not, I actually don't know whether it's an algorithm or whether it's an, a committee that rubber stamps everything. I know that when I crossed the border from Hong Kong into Shenzhen, I had a small audience of about 12 people all looking at the passport, all crowding, all crowded around. So th there are a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of jobs in, in, uh, in, in bureaucracy in China. But the social credit score, the idea behind it is that if you um, commit misdemeanors, if you're not a model citizen, you find it harder to rent a house maybe. Maybe you don't get the, the leeway to, uh, to, for other things like travelling abroad that you might if you, if you have a, a, good, a good social credit score. Now, this is not a mature system yet. This is very much, so I don't want to over, oversell over -egg this. Over-egg it. Over -egg yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but if you look at what the Chinese are doing, I mean, other small things, all the taxis in Shenzhen, a city of 20 million people, they're all electric. And that's because the local authorities clicked their fingers three years ago and said all the taxis are going to be electric. And now they're all electric. Um, if you look at... The Democracy can slow things Well, this is it. I mean, it, it, if, uh, what was interesting to me was I spoke to some young Chinese engineers. Coincidentally, I was in a bar. It's how I got the interview with the senior executive. It was through a karaoke session, but that's a story for another day. Um, I, I spoke to some of the young Chinese engineers and they were fairly well off relatively. They were looked fairly Western. The week I was there was the same week as the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square right. rising. Yeah. I asked them what they thought about it, but half of them had never heard of it. Now, these are well-educated engineers through the university system into their 20s. Half of them hadn't heard of it. The other half were aware of it really. because they had seen maybe Western films or documentaries about it, but weren't really that interested. Um, history is boring, is what one of them told me. So if you think about it, if you're a Chinese uh, uh, engineer or you're, you know, you're doing fairly well, yeah. 
you know, your consciousness is dictated to either by the misery of 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago or the boom that you have now. And they, 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 they choose the latter. Now, there's a dark side to all this. We, we haven't spoken about, you know, detainment camps and things up north. I was only in this city, Shenzhen, right. big yeah. city, tech metropolis. But it, there's shades of it that are definitely our future. Well, I mean, you can see... Um, that why people wouldn't want to be extradited from Hong Kong, you know, if they have those. But anyway, it's all very, very interesting. But somebody else told me that, and I know you know America so well, mm. that the difference between China and America now is one is all shiny yeah. and new. And the infrastructure and is the completely others, different. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the other's kind of bockety and run down. Anyway, may I say thank you to everybody uh, who came in on, and contributed to the programme today. Uh, program Emily... Uh, Harley is our broadcast coordinator. Katrina McFadden and Michelle Brown, researchers. Jamie Doyle was on sound. Annette Egan produced. And Rachel Graham is the series producer. That's all from us for today from all of us here. A very good day to you.